This is a podcast about Vancouver, our community, our culture, our quirks, and all the colors that combine to make our city of glass. My name's Mo Amir, and I'll be your host. This is Van Color. Sherlock Knives is it, so I'll hurry up on it. This is Van Color. More than half a million people in British Columbia live in poverty, and nearly a quarter of them are children, who are mostly raised by single mothers, according to a report by the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. Many poverty issues disproportionately affect women, such as the gender wage gap and the lack of affordable, quality childcare. Women in poverty often bear greater challenges, balancing work outside the home, childcare, care of elderly parents, and housework. Therefore, addressing women's economic needs is central to improving the quality of life not only for that woman, but her family, future generations, and her community. Better employment opportunities means less poverty. But what are the tools to open up better employment opportunities? Today on This is Van Color, I'm joined by two women whose work is rooted in the vision for a world where women do not live in poverty. Their organization, Dress for Success Vancouver, including its fundraising partner organization, Young Executives for Success, or YES Vancouver, offers long-lasting solutions that enable women to break the cycle of poverty. A women's philanthropic movement, they seek to empower women back into the workforce by providing them with professional attire, career services, and skill development programs. These two wonderful women are the executive director of Dress for Success Vancouver, Jennifer Halinda, and the marketing, events, and annual campaigns manager of Dress for Success Vancouver, and an events committee member for Yes Vancouver. She has a wealth of experience in the nonprofit sector, Marissa Letting. Jen, Marissa, how are you? Good. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. Thanks for being here. Um, I think this is a really important topic and issue in Vancouver, and I've been wanting to do a show on the issues that women face in the workplace, even just getting into the workplace. So I'm really thrilled that you could both be here to educate me on some of the issues that you see firsthand and also just share your mission and your journey in addressing some of these issues. So I appreciate it. We'll do our best. (laughs) First, I want to understand the organizational structure for Dress for Success Vancouver and Yes Vancouver. Can you clarify exactly what is Dress for Success Vancouver and what exactly is Yes Vancouver? Absolutely. So Dress for Success Vancouver is was founded 20 years ago. I haven't actually been with the organization 20 years for 20 years, but um, was founded in 1999. Okay. And it's part of a worldwide organization based out of New York City. And so we're one of about 160 affiliates around the world. Um, that was founded. Our our affiliate was founded by a local woman here. And our mission is to help women back into the workforce and to be a support network. So we're a registered charity and nonprofit, Mm -hmm. and we run three programs that help do this for women. The difference between us and Yes Vancouver is Yes Vancouver is a volunteer arm of Dress for Success that was created to, one, uh, provide awareness of what we're doing in the community and for young women to be engaged and network and um, get out to fun events and raise money for a women's charity. Um, so 
by thus empowering women into the workforce through these wonderful events. Cool. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, I guess I was stood corrected. I thought you were a volunteer for dress, dress for Success first? I was, yes. Okay. That's how I started. Yeah. And that was in 1990, no, no, 2007, sorry, is okay. when I started volunteering <laughs> and then um, came on board in the full-time role five years ago. Okay, cool. And, and Marissa, you started as a volunteer for Yes Vancouver. I did. So I joined Yes Vancouver um, about a year ago, and I started on their events committee and really loved the organization. And then that's actually how I got introduced for Dress for Success Vancouver and came on full-time as their events and annual campaigns manager. Cool. Awesome. Now, from my understanding, obviously you both started as volunteers, but Yes, Vancouver is a is a purely volunteer organization. Everyone on there is a volunteer, whereas Dress for Success Vancouver, that is um, more of a professional charity with an actual staff. Is that correct? Yes. So Dress for Success Vancouver, we have nine paid staff on payroll mm-hmm. and about 250 volunteers that are active with all of our programs and events. And the arm of Yes Vancouver is fully volunteer run. And so they actually have a committee with chairs. And then the chairs will report back to Marissa or myself. Okay. Just on their fundraising goals, what events are coming up. We obviously support them any way we can by promoting the events. Mm-hmm. And then we usually attend the events and speak on behalf of Dress for Success and let the women know that are attending where their dollars are actually going to. Okay, cool. So you are working quite closely together then as two organizations. Definitely. (laughs) I would say this position that I'm on, though, is a bit unique in that we've never actually had a paid staff member for Dress for Success Vancouver and someone who's been on the Yes Committee as well. So it was a really cool connection. And it definitely let me make sure that we have, um, you know, we're always aware of what's happening. Yeah. And it seems like you were Mm -hmm. the person for the job as well, having been work. uh, I was very lucky that way. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Cool. Um, Now, I want to know about the underlying need for your organization, for Dress for Success Vancouver. In terms of Vancouver specifically, or we can even look at Canada, why is there a lack of resources to provide women with tools for economic success? At the start of the show, I highlighted how poverty tends to have greater effects on women and children, but I'm I'm guessing that public resources are simply insufficient to address a lot of these issues? Yes, well, most of the women that come through our doors um, start off unemployed and Mm -hmm. and relying on some of the government programs to support them while they're looking for work. And due to funding and, uh, you know, volume, uh, what they're offered at the government level is quite short term. So most women will go in and, you know, tell WorkBC they're looking. WorkBC will put them through a week-long course on how to polish their resume, do all that, and then they're kind of on their own. Mm. And when they're referred to us, what we try to do is be there through every step of the job search process. Mm -hmm. Starts with an outfit. We want the woman to feel confident, um, to look her best. Sure. And while we're meeting with her, we try to determine where she is in her job search. So is she interviewing or is she just sending out resumes? And maybe what is holding her back? And provide her with tools to um, remove that barrier. So it could be her resume is not getting looked at. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, I don't know when the last time you had to do a resume was, but it can be quite a daunting experience. Sure. So by providing her with the tools uh, and the one-on-one um, with a recruiter mm-hmm. and following up with her and, and staying beside her through that process, and when maybe she falters or doesn't succeed, we can take a look at why. And then being there to cheer her on when she actually gets the job and she comes back to us for more clothing. And then right. we offer her a leadership development program. So 
our journey with her can be up to three years. Oh, wow. Okay. And a lot of the women come back to volunteer or they become involved as ambassadors. Mm-hmm. When they're working with the government agency programs, um, they don't have as much of a uh, an identity. They're, they're with a caseworker. It's kind of like, okay, have you found work? Yes, no. And then closed, closed case. Right. So we really try to build the confidence in the women and get to know them personally and be there mm-hmm. um, for whatever is coming up. Cool. Just out of curiosity, where are the clothes coming from? Is it are you partnering with other organizations? Or are you shopping for these new? How does this work? Oh, that's threefold. Okay. Uh, one is the the generous generosity of the public. So mm-hmm. I don't know um, if you've ever lived with a woman who shops a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but clothing has become a real throwaway commodity, right? Right. Um, so the majority of clothing comes from the general public. They're cleaning out their closets mm-hmm. and they want to give to a cause. Um, because we're dealing strictly with women that are getting back into the workforce, we ask that all donations actually be appropriate for a job interview right. to start with. Secondly is we have a lot of great support from the retail community in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, so Aritzia, Plum Clothing, a lot of them will, um, you know, when they're done with clothing that hasn't sold, um, they will want to give it to a charity such as ours. And so we're able to provide that too. Mm-hmm. And third is we do purchase certain clothing because we find there are certain um, sizes that we don't get a lot of donations in. And so that's really come up a lot lately. We want women to have a choice. We want them to come in and not just pick from three outfits. We want them to pick something they actually really want to wear. Mm-hmm. And so we have had to come up with funding to go out and purchase um, more, more extended size clothing, so larger sizes, mm-hmm. because we're just not getting that from our donor base. Oh, okay, cool. Now, I imagine um, not only are you uh, purchasing these clothes and working with these women, but you're you're consulting them as well in terms of what what you should wear for a job interview, because that's a skill that we do have to learn at some point as well, it is. right? And we try to do it in a gentle, guiding way. Sure. So every woman is provided with uh, a consultant for an hour to mm-hmm. pick out an interview outfit. So first, we'll determine where is she applying, because dress codes are different all over the place. Of course. And uh, we may err a little on the conservative side to start with, but we also want to identify her personal style and we want her to feel herself. Mm-hmm. So we're there to guide like certain things about length of skirt or sure. low, uh, those things some women may not be aware of. Mm-hmm. But we also want her to feel really good about what she and we want her to feel excited. And, and 99% of the time we get it right. They look in the mirror and the, you see a glint in their eye because you know, they're not, when you're unemployed, your ego really takes a beating. Of course. And there's a lack of confidence, uh, more so in women than men, which we can talk about in a minute. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so for us to be able to spend that time with them and for them to realize this is a hand up, not a handout. Like these women are mm-hmm. actively looking for work or we wouldn't be able to serve them. So just to see that light go on and have them feel good about themselves is the start of their journey. Mm-hmm. That makes it all worthwhile. For sure, yeah. So, so let's go back to that point. Um, you sort of alluded to this idea that you know there are greater pressures on uh, or greater challenges for women. Uh, can you get into that a little more and sort of the differences between me- uh, men and women and, and the pressures that they face in the workplace or their uh, the way that they're able to access certain resources that you, that you also provide? Well, I think when it comes down to it, we talk a lot about how. When a man applies for a job, he expects to get it, and he expects a certain amount of money. And I mean, this can—I'm not an expert, but this can go sure. back to, uh, you know, generations mm-hmm. of just how women were accepted in in the workplace in the first place. Mm-hmm. Marissa and I were talking today about, you know, some of my older relatives had four career choices as a woman. What was it? Nurse, 
flight attendant, secretary. What was the other one? Ooh, but question. very limited career mm-hmm. opportunities for women. Right. So I think women have always felt it's it's a confidence. Mm-hmm. So it's will they want me, and how much can you know? What am I worth to them? Mm-hmm. And I think with men, it's I'm worth this, and you better <laughs> want me. <laughs> um, I'm not sure where that stems from, but women. You know, they come in, they're not feeling good about their bodies. They maybe have been, there's usually a gap in their resume. So most mm. of the women we're serving have been employed. And either they're a new immigrant to Canada, they haven't worked in a couple of years. They've taken time off to raise a family. Mm-hmm. They're coming back, they're a slightly older demographic. And they don't really know what a LinkedIn profile should look like. And that's really a resume now. So right. so a lot of it is is intimidation that they feel outdated and not relevant anymore because they've taken this time away Mm -hmm. Um, and I find that women are more apt to take time away from the workforce than men obviously to have children or or whatever makes sense and so there's that fear that by leaving the workforce they're going to have a much harder time getting back into it and 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 they're you know most of them are taking I read a statistic that 70% 70% of um, of the minimum wage jobs and entry-level jobs are mm-hmm. in Canada are filled by women. Oh, is that right? That's right. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. T- taking this just a, a step back, um, and not necessarily talking about women who are just in poverty, but just women in general in the workplace, there seems to be a bigger societal demand on attire for women. Um, there was that social experiment that was done in Australia where a, a male newscaster wore the same suit for a whole year and no one said anything. And then he compared that to his female counterparts who were constantly criticized for their uh, clothing and wardrobe choices. Um, you know, do women pay a greater, when, when we take in clothing and accessories and, and makeup especially, is is there a greater pressure for women to be quote unquote presentable at work? Yes, but I actually feel that women notice it more about other women than the men noticing it. About the men. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. I think so. I mean, you tr- we try to, you know, it's funny. We always say at Dressers it says, oh, if you have 10 core pieces, you can build 20 outfits. And we mm-hmm. try to preach that. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Fast fashion has become so huge. So you can buy multiple outfits at very cheap, you know, any H&M, all these stores. Mm-hmm. But they're throwaway clothes, right? So you might get two or three wears out of them. And if you really want to invest in your wardrobe, you're going to designers and you're paying top dollar now. Sure. And so the middle retailer has kind of disappeared. And I think that's why we've seen a lot of businesses close down or struggle. Interesting. So you've okay. got the cheap, fast fashion, like Joe Fresh and H&M for your trends and, oh, I'll wear it one year. Mm-hmm. And then you skip to your, you know, your Tory Burch and your, your higher end. And a lot of the middle ground are hurting or everything's on sale, right? So women are constantly purchasing clothing. And I think that because we spend the majority of our time at work. Yeah. It becomes a little bit of a fashion show sometimes, or women are critiqued more on what they're wearing than men are. Like, remember but, our, last year, Christy Gordon, yes, like, yeah, woman was pregnant on television and was getting hate tweets because she looked fat. And I said, well, well she she's pregnant. eight months pregnant, <laughs> but that would never happen to a man. I don't mm-hmm. know if I've ever seen a man criticized for how he looked in his clothing on television. Mm-hmm. It's it's always about a woman. 
and unfortunately I think a lot of it comes down to a woman's body mm-hmm. and we see that happening all the time at Just for Success and so we're very careful to not talk about the body at all. It's about the fit of the clothing mm-hmm. and what's appropriate and what fits her well because I would say 99% of women grow, grow up with some type of a body, body, personal body issue Sure, that carries through their whole life no matter what their body looks like and I don't know, I don't know, I'm not a man so I don't know how men are that way but it's a little easier for a man to just put on a nice suit and be done with it. Whereas women, I think, are always looked at as not just what's on top, but what's underneath. Yeah. I mean, I'm almost thinking it's easy for a guy not to shave in the morning. I mean, I have a full beard, but when I was clean shaven, you know, you could get away with a couple days stubble. No one's really going to say anything. Right. But um, if a if a woman walks into a professional work environment without any makeup, zero, um, it would probably turn a head or two, I would imagine. I think it depends on, I've noticed in Vancouver because like we're, we're expanding more in the tech world and there's different industries where mm-hmm. women are moving up. And I've noticed there's a bit more of a relaxed dress code. Um, For sure. I think just in general. In yeah. general, there yeah. is, um, you know. Especially compared to like a Toronto or. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so. But polished and professional, I think has, um, Maybe women have to be taken a bit more seriously, too, in the work environment. So we we do that so that we will, mm-hmm. right? So that a woman in a suit has just as much power in the boardroom as a man. Yeah. And I think I think that gives us the confidence to walk into a meeting if we're, if we're in our power suit and be able to feel like we're part of it mm-hmm. as opposed to being the only woman in the room. And I think you hit on a, a really great point there where, you know, maybe – there are certain cultural or societal things that are inherently unfair, but you can almost play that to your advantage if you know how. So if you are dressing up in a, in a full suit and professional, you're, you're sending off a signal. You're using that um, awareness that people might have about who's wearing what to your advantage, right? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I always feel better when I'm dressed like for a serious meeting or something and I come in and I'm, you know, yeah. it, it really does make you walk a little taller. And that's why I think we have such an effect on the women that walk through our door because they walk out polished and looking fabulous. And that really gives them a suit of armor in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes a big difference. I mean, I remember when I was in business school, they would teach us that, and, and, and I did do this, um, when you have a phone interview for a job, wear a suit even though if they even though they can't see you but just you in a suit being dressed up just gives you a little more confidence and and you're ready to you know present yourself and say why you want this job or why you're suitable for this job even if it's so, like the way stuff right <laughs> i don't know I'd, I'd feel pretty weird if it was that if i was donald ducking it i'd feel uh maybe feel not confident yeah <laughs> no agree i completely agree yeah, it makes a big difference. Absolutely. absolutely. So tell me more about the the benefactors and, and the women that come to the, the organization. Um, you had sort of alluded earlier in the, in the conversation that they, they're referred to your organization. But where, where are they coming from? How do they find you out? So the reason why they're referred to us is we really want to vet them and make sure that they're ready for the workforce. And if they're mm-hmm. not ready for the workforce, there's a, a, a multitude of wonderful organizations out there that can help them. Sure. So by having them refer to us, we know they're actually engaged. in. So they're all referrals. Well, I would say probably 85%. We do have a lot of self-referrals. And when these women are self-referring, we ask that they also meet with the recruiter to Mm -hmm. go over their resume and make sure that 
they're ready because the the assistance they are getting from the government agencies, there's a little bit of that training for them. Mm-hmm. So we just want to make sure that she's putting her best foot forward and provide her with kind of a dual service while she's looking for work. Um, I would say that about 20% of the women we're seeing are actual recent graduates of some of the community colleges here in Vancouver. So Langara, Cat College, BCC, BCIT. And they may not have the funds for an interview outfit, but they're newly graduated. They might be a younger student. And then cut to the woman that's a little bit of an older demographic. So I would say the majority of women we're serving are between 40 and 55 years old. Mm -hmm. And they've had a change in life. So a lot of new Canadians. So we're seeing a lot of immigrant women moving here with their families or as a single mother. Some of the stories will break your heart. You know, they've left their children back homes and they're sending money home until they can get their children here hmm. and they're finding that with the language barrier the cost of living um the lack of head offices in vancouver that it is taking them a little bit longer to find a job that they can sustain on mm-hmm. there's a lot of entry-level jobs out there but i mean let's face it we're living in the most expensive city in canada yeah and absolutely. we sacrifice a lot here i don't know about you but mm. i don't have a car because i want to own a condo in Yaletown. so mm-hmm. we're making sacrifices and so um, it could be a while before a woman can find a job that will sustain her. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we're finding that, you know, the women, they, they all have a different story. Some of them, it was like they were on a medical leave and they couldn't get back into the, the job force or right. they took the time off for their kids and then went through a divorce and now they're by themselves and they haven't worked in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Every, every story is a little bit different, but... Um, but they're resilient, and that's what's really exciting to see is, sure. you know, these women deserve to work in, in Vancouver and um, not to have to make so many sacrifices to stay here. Mm-hmm. For for the immigrants as well, it must be so challenging because it's not only just finding work, but it's you're in this brand new culture. There's Everything is foreign. Everything is new. Um, we had um, a, a, a Syrian refugee activist who came from Syria and he was he was on the podcast in our third episode and he he mentioned like even just turns of phrases would be really frustrating or how people communicate and and he was saying that in Syria you know if you ask someone what the weather looks like uh, or if you're talking about the weather it's kind of like I don't really want to talk to you but here that's it's all we talk about all we talk about <laughs> so <clears throat> So learning these little things and these things, even just in the interview process, become so, so it's important, true. right? It's and so true. being able to communicate or understanding what someone's saying and, and being able to give them a similar answer or reciprocate the conversation. How do you deal with those cases specifically? Do, do they get a, a, a little more, I mean, in terms of the career services, mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit of that cultural element as Absolutely. well and orientation? So what we do is, uh, well, first of all, we're creating a network of support. So when a woman comes to Dress for Success, she's not on her own. Oh, okay. And when she starts going through our career service program, we actually do, I think this year we'll have 28 workshops um, because we really encourage women to be active while they're looking for work. So that's like one every two weeks. Pretty much. Yeah, cool. And we do a survey, and what we do is we go out to the women and say, what do you need? And then Mm. we try to procure the, the agenda based on their needs. And business... Uh, language for new immigrants Mm -hmm. is a big one how to network how to present yourself so we do those ad hoc workshops throughout the year based on the needs of the women 
and um, an English second language is is a big one. Yeah. And then when they find work, our professional women's group is uh, is a group of seventy five women, and the predominantly are new Canadians. When you walk into those meetings, you realize these are the women that need to create their own network in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And so it's an eighteen month program where they all meet once a month, and they have a facilitator, and we celebrate their successes. So at the beginning of each meeting, we have what we call yayas, where they can stand up and say, I got a job, or I got a raise, or I got a promotion, or and, and we celebrate that. Yeah, that's so they cool. They also work on projects together, and so they try to give back to the community now that they're employed. And what this does is it it forms lifelong friendships. Like, the magic of the, mm-hmm. those meetings, like, are, I mean, we're there to help them support them in their new career, but the magic is to see what they create around them. And to see them flourish in friendships and and even work together, like, you know, job opportunities. Like, they start to cross-pollinate their lives and they start to do things together. And it really creates uh, a lot of peace in them because they actually have found a network in Vancouver um, that they can go to and rely upon. In fact, it's such a popular program that they've started their own alumni group, which they run on their own. Oh, and okay. Because so, women never want to leave the program sure. when they graduate. That that's a sign of a great program. It I is, think. but the, the, I think what, what we're able of... to offer them is this building a network of their own mm-hmm. with women that are like minded that have gone through similar things they've gone through. It's it's invaluable. Sure. Yeah. It sounds amazing. I, I'm curious what kind of projects or, or giving back or. or projects are they, are they being engaged in? You were saying that they get together and then... Yeah, so Dress for Success Worldwide, this is one thing that they do for our clients, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Every year they hold a worldwide conference for our clients, and it's a leadership program. Oh, cool. So we go to our newly employed women, and they have to apply, and mm-hmm. so we get to pick two people to go to this conference, and so it just happened in Miami in June. So two of our graduates went, and um, the theme for this year's project is um, women being financially secure. Okay. So what they have to do is they have to come back to Vancouver. There's a little bit of seed money they're given for the project. And they have to figure out what can we do in the community of Vancouver to help women become financially secure. They usually will form like a committee through the other women on their, in their group. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they'll pitch an idea and they'll put it together. So for example... Last year, we had uh, two women do a project on eating healthy while being unemployed. Like, how do you stay on a budget? How Mm. do you take care of yourself when you have very limited funds? Mm -hmm. And then they did a series of workshops from women that were unemployed on how to eat healthy, how to shop, all of that. So that was their little project. The year before, our candidates did a project where for parents that can't afford to send their children to like art school or art classes, there was a series of art events that were free for families to come and create things together. So okay, cool. So cool to see, you know, them want to put on things that don't cost money that can help people save money, but make them feel like like they're part of the community. Mm-hmm. So every year it's a little bit of a different subject, but this year it'll be interesting to see how we we tackle. I haven't seen the proposal yet, but how they. Uh, are able to put something on for women and help them, um, you know, create financial stability. Okay, cool. So that'll be the serious topic. That's awesome. So how many total people are going through the Dress for Success program right now in Vancouver? So we're averaging, last year we served over 2,200 women through three programs. Wow. And our goal is that they come as many times as they need. So more so for the career services. Like the outfits are, you know, obviously a lot of times they're intro to Mm -hmm. us, but if we can get a woman to attend three or four workshops and meet with a recruiter, we know that that is, is 
is cutting down on the amount of time it's going to help her find a job. Sure. We really believe and, that. And just to clarify, so those three services, that's the professional attire, the career services, and the skill development. That's right. So once okay. she's found work, how can we help her grow her career now and become a leader of tomorrow? And that's what the professional women's group does for her. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, when it comes to Yes Vancouver, which is the this partner fundraising organization, um, who are the... I, pres- I presume all women, who are the women who were there who were members and and putting on events and bringing in other members? Can you tell me a bit, little bit about them, Marissa? Definitely. So Yes Vancouver, I think, was formed to tailor more towards the 20 to 30s women who is still growing their career, but they want to do fun networking events. They want mm-hmm. to be involved in their community. And obviously, they believe in Dress for Success Vancouver and the cause that we are giving back to. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool because it combines you know, the fundraising, the charity, you're giving back, and you're also having a good time at the events as well. Cool. So, so far this year, Yes has put on four events. They usually aim for about one every two months. Okay. And they really vary. We have one called Sweat for Success. So we partnered with um, a local um, athletic place called All City Athletics, and that was through donations. And all the money goes back to Dress for Success Vancouver, 100% of the proceeds. Was that the boxing one? That was the boxing one. That's <laughs> correct. And we have one that's really cool coming up. Um, Hastings Racetrack actually sponsored um, a day at the races for us. So we're basically really? holding a mini Dayton Cup, and that's September 23rd. So we're nice. very excited about that one. So, I mean, they're fun. We always have wine. We have great speakers. So mm-hmm. it's really a good place to make friends as well. And I've really found that personally as well. Cool. Yeah. And, and I might have missed it, but how many members in total um, – are part of Yes Vancouver? I'd say on the committee, I'd say we probably have about 15. Okay. And then members itself, what would paid you say? Members, I'm not sure where we're at with membership. I know our goal is to have 100 members a year. Okay. And what that does is it encourages them to commit to coming to the events. Like they get special pricing or they'll be members okay. only. <clears throat> and all 100% of the proceeds go to Dress for Success. So cool. the idea behind the Yes events is that everything is sponsored and that they're not actually paying to put on the event. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then we usually sell tickets, and then there's usually a fundraising component at the event, like um, a raffle or silent auction or something fun like that. Cool. Mm-hmm. So then the people going to the event, some will be members, some will be yeah, non exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. It really attracts, I think what maybe you were attracted to, Marissa, too, is you had recently moved here from Victoria. I did. And Vancouver's mm-hmm. a hard city to meet people for in. For sure. Yeah. Volunteering, I tell you, is where it's at. Like when you become a volunteer in an organization, you immediately, well, especially in ours, you immediately befriend 200 people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and these events are a great way because we're, you know, in Vancouver, we're famous for not going out after work for drinks. Like in Toronto, everybody goes out for work, at, you know, like together for drinks. In Vancouver, we tend to do our own thing. Like we go to yoga by ourselves and then go home and watch Game of Thrones or whatever. (laughs) So yes, events are a great way for women that want to go out and meet other women in their age group with similar interests in a non-threatening environment, right? For $25, mm-hmm. I can go to this event, have a couple glasses of wine, have some fun, maybe do a boxing class, and I might actually meet some new friends. Yeah. And I'm supporting a great charity. So it's a, it's a wonderful model. Definitely. It worked for me. Totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting is when I was looking you guys up online, um, I believe your Facebook page, I had a dozen mutual friends that were had already liked the page. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think except for maybe one or two, the vast majority of them were women who I guess had maybe gone to an event or participated somehow. We do love so. men to be involved as well, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, um, I have... So it's not, it's not um, exclusive to women then? Well, 
Okay, so on my volunteer base, I, unfortunately, ninety-eight percent are women. This is where we want diversity. We want more men. Um, sure. We do have we've had men on our board of directors. In fact, we do have a male right now. Okay. We've had male career counselors. Okay. The only thing we won't allow men to do is to dress the women, and only because there's sure yeah um, issues there. We have Sandy who comes in and merchandises every week. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, men on our event committees. So and and some of the SMS women have brought their men. So definitely. We'll usually have to say that, though, because men, okay. men yeah. look at our events and think it's for women only. But we have a huge event coming up in November. It's our corporate event. It's called the Success Luncheon. And we have a lot of male supporters, like, as far as sponsors and donors. Okay. And I think that's because, A, they want to see women be equal. and Or maybe they grew up with a single mom. Or, like, you never know what their story is. But a lot of mm-hmm. men really get what we're doing. And the more men that can support the women in Vancouver in their careers, the better. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, now, one of the the things that always gets asked uh, about charities is how much of the money that's raised is going into the actual program. So with Yes Vancouver, obviously, all the money is going to Dress for Success. So I guess this is more of a question for Dress for Success in terms of um, what kind of ratios does your does your organization yeah, have Yeah, right you know, now? the archaic belief of those ratios <clears throat> is still uh, with our wonderful Canadian Revenue Agency, where okay. they say <laughs> that uh, a, a sta- you know a charity in good standing, 65 cents of every dollar raised goes to programs. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that we are client-facing, so our charity serves the women directly. So the operational mm-hmm. cost to do that is quite high. However, we do meet that threshold. It's usually, on, every year it changes and fluctuates a little bit, but... Um, 70 cents of every dollar mm-hmm. typically goes to all of our programming costs. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. So we do our best to keep overhead low. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a firm believer of charities um, to attract the right talent to keep growing and to actually be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to bring in good people. And the only way to bring in good people is to actually take care of them and to be able to pay them appropriately and to give them benefits. Uh, you know, Marissa started, her, she wants a career in nonprofit. I actually mm. fell into nonprofit through volunteering. I was in the corporate world, but okay. But I want her to have every success that she deserves and to be paid for it. Sure. Because she's actually of service to the community. And so I always find that question really interesting because, like, if you were interviewing the CEO of Apple, you wouldn't ask him out of every do- dollar that Apple brings in how much of it is going in your pocket and how much of it is going, you know, into product development, et cetera, right? Right. Charities have always been under... Uh, a microscope because I think some, you know, there are some situations where maybe that was abused. Um, yeah, that certainly was not my implication. I think it's just a yeah, question I just that find it, it, really, it does really get asked. Right? It does. But I also find it gets asked less now. I find that a lot of our donors want to make a difference and they see all the wonderful things that we're offering and realizing that, you know, these workshops cost money and, and, and that kind of thing. But also that to have good leadership mm-hmm. um, in place is really just as important. Yeah. And so that, uh, you know, salaries are starting to slowly go up in the nonprofit space in general, okay. and there's a lot more rallying around that too. Yeah. I mean, I, I've uh, I've volunteered in the nonprofit sector. I've sat on a board for a nonprofit organization, and it was a volunteer board. But you're absolutely right. In terms of implementing, implementing certain programs, you need to attract talent, That's and right. you need full-time people there. You can't expect people to – volunteered on their um you know weekends and evenings only so it's it's definitely a competitive space and that's one of the things i learned as well it's Mm -hmm. um whether it is talent acquisition or um you know finding the right partners it's it's quite competitive it is i don't know if you um follow him but dan palata on twitter is a great thought leader on this subject okay 
he he makes a case for like it's sad in a way that like a lot of really talented CEO level people mm-hmm. avoid nonprofit because of the pay. Like they like they could do so much greatness in the world and they choose mm-hmm. to actually work in a corporation and donate money to that charity and get a tax receipt, which in the end is going to pay off more, like depending on the level right. of their, their wealth. But really quite interesting when you dig into the psychology behind why people feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so you've been on the board. That's great. That's- yeah, I sat on a board for a hospice society. So what we did was we provided um, extra services for the the hospice that, that we were serving. So it would be things like uh, counseling, uh, even yoga for some of the uh, – for, for patients that could go there. Uh, just a, a lot of extra services that we felt were important for people who were nearing the end of their life. Right. Um, but wasn't paid for by by government services. So, it's a so similar idea. But it, again, like in implementing these programs, you need to find the right people, and, mm-hmm. and you do have to pay people. And um, it again, it's it's interesting to think about it this way. But it does become a competitive space as well. You are competing for for donations and, and membership and participation, right? Um, <clears throat> and these things, in terms of attracting people, do end up costing money but it's an important cause and if when done right it can make a lot of uh, a lot of difference absolutely mm-hmm. um stepping away from uh from, from women who might be new immigrants or perhaps uh, <clears throat> women in poverty i, I want to talk about women in the workplace just in general what challenges do you find that women have in the workforce here in vancouver just on a and maybe this is a uh, an, an ill-fated question. Maybe there isn't a genera- uh, a way to generalize this. But are there are there general issues that women face in the workplace in Vancouver? Well, we have the opportunity. Um, so many corporations and different types of businesses support us. So we we really have a lot of connections in you know banking, law, mining here. Like mm-hmm. it goes on and on. And I work with a lot of women um, that are high up in these, or partners at law firms, or VPs. So I'm definitely seeing maybe a bit more equality as far as roles. Mm -hmm. Where I think we lack still is uh, around the boardroom table. Mm. I think that women's, one of our biggest challenges is is that we're not being invited to sit at the table. And so what we find is that a lot of women will volunteer to be on boards like, you know, like yourself or my board of directors to gain that experience so they can eventually become, sit on a paid board and Mm -hmm. be able to contribute to, you know, some of the bigger corporations. Etc. Um, I think pay can still be uh, one of our uh, Achilles. Like I think women still aren't being paid equal to men in the roles mm-hmm. uh, in Vancouver in general. I think in general. I think, okay. I think when a woman is being offered a position, that there is still uh, a bit of a drop down. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for me, I mean, I'm surrounded by strong women every day, and I, uh, you know, we're we're doing very well. We're we're, you know, our brand is very. Um, there's a lot of integrity behind what we do. We take it very seriously, but we still have fun, mm-hmm. and it's a very energetic, positive place to be. So I'm surrounded by women every day that really care and are actually helping other women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while since I've been in the corporate world, but I used to work in an industry where actually women did very well in in management. So I never seem to think I'm ever going to be discriminated against. I mean, maybe I have been, mm-hmm. um, but in Vancouver, I don't know. I'm I'm seeing um, a lot of strong women out there making a difference in the corporate and non-corporate cool. space. 
Marissa, what do you think? Well, it's actually interesting. That question's definitely still out there because Yes actually addressed that at their last event. They held an event called um, Know Your Worth, Mm. and it was essentially a panel of four women. And um, the audience was asking questions, and they also the panel was speaking a bit to their experience. And we had an HR director on there, and one of the things that she referenced is she was saying, you know, women just don't ask. And she said that was very common. She would notice that men would come in, and they'd say, here's what I want. It would be way over, but they'd negotiate. And (laughs) she was saying that, again, she was seeing the trend that women just were not asking and they weren't really knowing their worth for this. And this is something that she pushes in her workforce Mm. and in her environment. So I'd say it's something people are aware of. Yeah. And it was actually very interesting, the engagement we got from the audience at that event, because people were just, we went over time. People were asking so many questions and they were sharing so many experiences where they felt that they hadn't quite asked for what they were worth. So Hmm. The question's still out there for sure. I think we doubt sometimes our abilities. And I think what we need to teach other women is that, you know, the whole fake it till you make a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, don't lie on your resume, but go in there and just think, I can do this job. And maybe there's two or three things. Like, like a woman will look at a job posting, and if she doesn't meet 100%, she might not apply for it. Yeah. Men will go, oh, there's three or four things on here I don't have. (laughs) But you know what? I'll make up for it with how great I am. And like it, it's definitely a mentality shift, and I think that comes comes into play when we're thinking about what we're worth on in on paychecks. Yeah, for sure. That's <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. I think you know, again, being very general here, men just aren't that detail oriented by nature. Um, and again, I'm, I'm painting a broad stroke here uh, because there's been studies done that that show that women have better recognition of. Uh, facial expressions than men and apparently this is one this is a theory i don't know how true this is but uh, a theory that why women are outwardly more emotional is because when you were living in these tribes or caves or whatever they had to get the attention of men if there was like actual trouble because subtle facial cues just didn't compute with with men at the time so we would cry out for help exactly right right that's the whole idea and i think Again, this is a touchy subject, I know, for a lot of people, but I just feel, you know, there are general differences between men and women. And and one that I've even seen in my own life is that women can be quite detail-oriented. We are, to a fault. And you can (laughs) see it when you're growing up in school, where girls, you look at their their projects they're doing and every little thing, whereas guys, you know, they might have great projects and, and very highly ambitious projects, but they're not, in general, looking to that same detail. I think we overthink everything too. Like I think, like, 100%, like, yeah. and I mean, this is a generalization, but men kind of are like eat, sleep, sex, or <laughs> love. Like they're, they're like, as long as those basic needs are met, I think women, we overthink. I think we spend too much time thinking about possibilities and outcomes. Yeah. And so it can prevent us from taking a leap forward. Um, because we do the what ifs. What if I get this job, then I have to quit my other one. And then what's my boss mm. going to think? Like, like we're so worried about, mm-hmm. Uh, at least I can speak for myself and some of the women I know sure. um, that we ponder or want to talk a million times over to our friends before we make a decision. And I don't know, maybe it would be great to have some kind of a brain specialist on that would analyze that <laughs> because I'm sure there's different parts of our brain that light up when we're thinking about these things or we're losing sleep over them. Mm-hmm. And not to say men don't stress because they do, especially if they're, mm-hmm. if they're the breadwinner at home or they're, you know, there's a lot of stresses on men too. But mm-hmm. I think that we there's different talk stresses, ourselves yeah. out of things a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, opportunities like come knocking and we may not open that door because we're actually scared of the unknown. Mm. Uh, maybe we're not as big risk takers as we should be, but 
then again, I've seen a lot of women to prove that theory wrong in the past <laughs> few years. No, fair enough. But again, if you just looking at teenagers, um, boys are or I, I should say girls are probably way more risk adverse than teenage boys who will do very stupid things without thinking of any consequences right. <laughs> because they're like, you know, at max testosterone when, when you're approaching 18. So, I mean, a lot of what you're saying makes sense. And again, there's obviously outliers and exceptions and, um, but it, but in the case of being risk adverse, uh, being risk adverse or taking risks for work, those are things that can probably be changed with culture. For sure. Right? But also I think that, that the whole theory of that, you know how they'll say, well, if a man is, you know, a leader and he's really strong and opinionated, like people respect it. But if it's a woman, they call her a B, right? Like, right. and mm. that whole thing has to change because. And not just B, not just the original B, but bossy. Bossy. That's another one. And right? um, nowadays women are teaching their daughters, be bossy, be bold, because that's going to get you places in life. Yeah. And don't be scared of what other people think of you because you're a woman. Like that, we, it shouldn't mm-hmm. matter whether a man or a woman is, says that, that thing. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm seeing it in my nieces. I have three nieces and they're all being brought up to be pretty strong, independent women. They're not even thinking about boys. Like, they're all in high school, and I'm like, do you have any boyfriends? And they're like, no, I'm too busy trying to get into university. And I'm like, good for you. (laughs) Exactly. And that's something we saw at the Yes event as well, actually, is it comes down to also women like to please, and women like to make sure that everyone is happy with them. And sometimes that can, as a generalization. Yeah. And sometimes that can impact, you know, when you're negotiating. It can come down to, oh, this might create a problem. You're not going to like me if I stick firm to this. So there is that aspect as well. And I wouldn't even say, I mean, you're you're probably right, but I wouldn't even say a need to please, but I would say our women tend to be more collaborative. Mm -hmm. More of networkers, I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Communicative, um, collaborative. They are sort of looking at, you know, group needs in in a lot of ways. And that's Mm -hmm. where that, you know, mother instincts that's where that also comes from right you're looking after everyone <laughs> as opposed to necessarily just yourself so well and it starts with each other and i think that um we're very fortunate to work in a in an environment where it's women really helping women not just saying that they're helping other women but mm-hmm. like we're actually all so committed to making sure that women can pursue their dreams and take care of their families and feed their families and, and give back to their communities. Like mm-hmm. we want to be there and because be- we all need someone to believe in, our, in us, right? We all have a support network at home. Sure. That's our cheerleader. So to see it in action is really quite a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's such a cool element to your entire program is that not only are you providing them with knowledge, skills, attire, but you're connecting them together and they're, doing a lot of them work themselves right it's not just oh they are and and they'll follow up with us yeah and and like we cry a lot at work but it's always (laughs) but you know what it's like it's a really positive way when you were describing working with um the hospice society Mm -hmm. i'm far too emotional to work somewhere like that like for me just success is so perfect because whatever adversity or whatever these women have faced they're Mm -hmm. coming through the other side and they're ready to get back to work and Mm -hmm. so when we see them They've already taken that first step, right, is to be brave and accept help from other people. And there's nothing wrong with that. And so they're already starting on their journey back. And to me, it is so inspiring. So when mm-hmm. we cry, it's usually out of happiness. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. These women are, are rising above and there are these phoenixes coming up from whatever's happened. I don't think I could handle, you know, working with um, with marginalized people that aren't there and that, that 
you know, whether they're ill or they're homeless or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm just too much too sensitive and emotional for that, I think. So hats off to you and to all the charities out there that are working with with those groups because um, it's too hard for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I think I, I'm a firm believer of, of doing volunteer work, and I think you just have to find – what, you know where you fit best. That's right. Right, and and for anyone who is thinking about, you know, oh, I should volunteer. I should give back to the community. Do something you're interested in. It has to be the mm-hmm. right fit. Right? That's correct. And for me, um, what brought me to Dress for Success was well, one, I always loved fashion, so I thought, oh, this okay. is great. I can help women look good. Yeah, but I can I've... tell you, you were both very fashionable. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. But I also. I'm fiercely independent as a woman, and I always want to be able to take care of myself, right? So I've always been like this growing up. Like, I was always like, I have to have money in the bank. And I, even when I lived with my ex, I'm like, I have my own bank accounts. Like, I've just, that's Mm. how I've been. And I just want to make sure that everybody has a plan B, right? Because you never know what life is going to throw at you. You never know. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it was a perfect marriage of, you know, taking control of your own life, but also like having. Um, you know, looking good while you're doing it and feeling good about yourself, even if things aren't looking that great right now, totally. you will get through this. So that's what really drew me to the organization as yeah. a volunteer. Cool. Cool. Um, obviously, there are more women in the workplace than ever before, which is a great thing. Do you think women are changing corporate culture? I do. Um, I mean, you know that old question, can women have it all? Well, I, I hate that question because <laughs> no one can do it all. Yeah. There's guilt from what I understand. I don't have children, but I know for a lot of working mothers, there is the guilt factor big mm-hmm. time. Um, but they want to contribute. They want they want um, to be part of this community. Yeah. And I think that definitely like we see a lot of women with through whether it's organizations like Women in Tech or different associations that work with us because they all sort of want to rally around us and, and mm-hmm. support us. There's a lot of female leaders and they're they're changing the game a little bit. Yeah. Um, How so? Well, my former board chair who runs a big software company here um i mean all you have to do is actually look at there's so many awards for women now in vancouver like award events Mm -hmm. so there's a ywc women of distinction um there's the business in vancouver which they do on international women's day uh, awards um there's there's several Mm -hmm. and all you have to do is look at these fierce women and see how different and diverse they are and how they're finally i think able to be themselves in the work environment and we talk a lot about that too is Mm -hmm. We're very happy at work because we can come in and be ourselves and make a difference and work as a team and we get along as human beings. Right. So the old hierarchy style of management, I think, is dissipating and I think women have a lot to do with that because um, some of these women that I see are authentically being themselves and being great leaders and and taking their company on refreshing directions. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not the old you know, you have to be at your desk by eight. You have to be up by five. There's so much more flexibility, I think, required on both ends. Yeah. Is people want flexibility in their lives, work from home, or they want technology to help them with their jobs. Uh, I personally think that the best leaders are the ones that give their team autonomy and let them develop and run with ideas as long as you're meeting your goals. And mm-hmm. so I see a lot of women being very successful at being able to run organizations. Yeah, I mean, I I almost think there's been a greater emphasis on two things just off the top of my head. The first being inclusivity in the workplace. I mean, that's something in, I would say, the last generation that has really been brought to the forefront. And then the other thing has been work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And as you said, it's not just about working eight until you're done or eight till six or eight to five or whatever. It is creating that balance and companies create programs which are 
geared towards healthy employees and healthy team members. Um, so in my day job, in our office, it's a small office. This is actually, this is not how I get paid, by the way. <laughs> I do have a real job. Um, I don't get paid at all here. Um, but in in my in my day job, it, it's a lot of women that work there. It's a small office, about ten people, and it's out in Coquitlam, and it's a family business. And we know that you know we can't necessarily compete with firms downtown. So when you look at the makeup of our team most of the people there live in that area within right. like a 15 minute radius so for them what they value is working close to home then when you look at the actual culture in in our work environment um everyone's there on time doing work but if someone needs to go for a doctor's appointment or, t- or their kid's sick or kid's graduation or, or anything sort of family oriented um you know we're not docking hours we're we understand that it's a collaborative effort they within their teams pass off work uh without keeping tabs they know that okay it's everyone's playing in good faith and you'll take care of each other next time and that's something that that they've valued more than necessarily going downtown and working for perhaps title or right greater salary but they see compensation as a holistic um package that you're getting yeah, I think it really depends on what you're looking for. And I think with our team at Dress for Success, I give them autonomy and I don't mm-hmm. want to micromanage. Like we all have, we're so busy. And because we're operational right where we work, we get drawn in a lot to to the operations. But but we also, we do potlucks. Like we do fun, like we, yeah. we do team buildings. Like we deserve to do that too. And, and it's Friday, knock off early or, you know, work from home today if you're working on a project, but mm-hmm. we're accountable. And so to yeah. me, at the end of the day, if you're getting your job done and you're meeting your goals, let's work together so we can all be happy. Mm-hmm. I, I once worked for a leader who said, if you're at your desk for more than eight hours, then you need to look at how you're organizing your day. And sure. I firmly believe that. So I think if you're organized and you're on it, then you can leave at five and not feel Mm-hmm. bad and go and have a life like we all want to have a life outside of mm-hmm. and but that I think has changed um quite dramatically um it, it, I, don't, I don't know what the timeline is but certainly there was a culture of check-in check-out oh, where you absolutely. had time cards right and now we've gone away from that and or you it, wouldn't and leave unless the boss left right like those mentalities totally. exactly right and there is more emphasis on okay if you need time off for kids or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. parents or, or whatever th- this idea of balance um has come to the forefront and and even even just in the development of human resources literature and human resources theory right. has mm-hmm. just kind of exploded in the last again the last generation i would say so well i think technology has allowed us to also be in touch wherever we are so like mm-hmm. if you're exactly. working from home you actually can be working from home like it's not mm-hmm. like you're taking home stacks of paper you're actually online on your platform or your network with your team mm-hmm. chatting to each other sending each other like Mm-hmm. One of my marketers has a better computer at home that she can do video on. And then she'll FaceTime me with the videos and we'll talk, you know, and, and it's really cool that we can do that and she can do it from, from home. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And even today, I think that the job market has expanded so much that there is no longer like just kind of a nine to five job. I think that there's so many different options, even for myself as an event manager. Like there's mm-hmm. so many events that I have to attend, you know, that take up extra time after work or something like that. So the option of being flexible is definitely a huge factor. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um one one topical conversation that's in the public consciousness right now is this idea of encouraging women to pursue careers where they have been historically 
underrepresented, uh, specifically in the STEM fields, technology. Why is it important to attract more women to these sectors? Of course, my gut reaction is it is important, but I don't know if I have a formulated argument for for why it's important to. Well, I think it's important because it's also part of the future. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you know, I look in Vancouver as well, and I see all these tech companies and these great, great things happening. And I think just the way technology is going to be running our world, um, the math and sciences are, are super important. And I think mm-hmm. we have to encourage more girls to to pursue that as careers. And I think maybe just in the past, it's always been a male male dominated field. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of smart girls out there that can have flourishing careers and really make a difference and make a living. And so I think we really need to open up those mindsets. And, you know, again, maybe you know, the sky's the limit. A mm-hmm. girl can be whatever she wants to be as long as she applies herself. And I think just providing education or funding. I know there's like in the States, you know, there's there's people doing things so that underprivileged kids can have access to learning and even just what it's all about. Right. So that it might change their mindset and get them on a career path. And, and I think it's really exciting. And I think that we're going to see a lot more women um, getting into these fields and making a real difference. And on the flip side, if you are a big tech company and you're looking at your growth uh, over you know year to year basis and looking at the amount of people you have to bring in I mean one of the biggest things that Vancouver faces is a shortage of skilled workforce Mm -hmm. right especially in the tech sector any any tech entrepreneur you talk to they all say you know it's it's very difficult to find not just the right people but the right amount of people And, and they're and they're in a shortage of that so if there obviously is this demographic, if half your population is not maybe geared towards that and there's this great um, demographic where you can pull in a lot of big numbers from, it just makes sense that you would you would uh, encourage that, right? I mean, yeah, it's good for th- business as well. It's not just it's good for the women in it, but it's good for right. the tech companies. And also don't forget that within these companies, there's so many levels of jobs. And like I always say, our women are quite intimidated by tech jobs. But I said, you know what? They have marketing departments. They have accounts. So we should do a panel of local tech employers to come and dispel the myths of working in tech because mm. there's a lot of job opportunities that don't involve the technical aspect at all mm-hmm. that can get a woman's foot in the door. And then who knows? Like that employer might be able to offer them training or education and they can actually grow into a career of tech. So mm. that is something that we talked about doing this year. As it also will give us a lot more exposure in the tech world because there are still a lot of men in it and they maybe don't know about dress for success and, and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Marissa, are there a lot of girls or I should say women in tech that come to the Yes Vancouver events? I would say so. I'd say that they're they're getting more represented for sure. And it's definitely mm-hmm. something that's on a lot of women's minds and especially like tech and sciences too. Like I personally myself got a BSc because I thought that that was okay. the way that the future was going. I was yeah. like, you know, like everyone's going into sciences. That's where the higher paying jobs are these days. Mm-hmm. Of course, I ended up back in nonprofit, which is what <laughs> I wanted to do originally. Yeah. But I'm really glad that I did take that opportunity because I think it gives you a much broader um, you know, broader view of the world in a lot of ways. And I think it's really exciting to see all the younger women going into tech. I think that there's a lot of opportunity there, and I am glad to see that it's happening at Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's great to hear. Um, well, we have to wrap up here very shortly. Uh, but I'd just like to address something that brought Yes Vancouver specifically, and of course by association, Dress 
for Success Vancouver into the news recently. On June 28th, Vancouver City Councilor Hector Bremner announced the creation of his new political party, and he named it the Yes Vancouver Party, a name that apparently he came up with as early as May, according to the Vancouver Courier. Now, Councillor Bremner has maintained that his team had advised your Yes Vancouver uh, had advised your Yes Vancouver about this plan prior to founding the party. In an interview on the Linda Steele show, he kind of laughed it off and claimed that his team had reached out to your organization very early on, in his words. He said that he's sure that your organization didn't love it and that he apologized for that, and that his team tried to engage with your organization in this whole naming process. I just have two questions regarding this matter, and hopefully we can just put this to bed afterwards. <laughs> uh, the first is, when exactly were you consulted by the Yes Vancouver political party about them using that name specifically? I was the contact for that um, representative, and I can say that I was first contacted on May 29th, and I was informed about the name usage on June 25th. On June 25th. That's okay. correct. Okay. Um, and then the second question, did they just inform you that they were going to use this name or did they ask for any feedback? Mm -hmm. I can say for that we were not asked for feedback at that stage, no. Okay. Well, we'll just leave it at that. Um, I don't. <laughs> but we got to meet you because we <laughs> did. There's that's a silver that's lining. how I got pulled in and, mm -hmm. and uh, I got to be exposed to the wonderful work that you're doing and... Uh, I got to learn a lot more about some of the, these issues that I was not aware of. I kind of had some ideas, but it was really cool chatting with you. And personally, I don't want to detract uh, any further from the great work that uh, Dress for Success Vancouver does and that Yes Vancouver, your Yes Vancouver does. The original Yes Vancouver. <laughs> the original <laughs> Yes Vancouver since 2007. That's, uh, yeah, 10 years old last year. We celebrated 10 yeah. years for Yes. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And you've been doing, you've been doing this for so many years with so many members, so many donors, and so many people who get such a big impact in their lives and in the lives of people around them. So um, if people want to find out more information about Dress for Success Vancouver or Yes Vancouver, where should they go? Well, our marketing manager can tell you who to follow <laughs> and how to find us online as well. I can. So we have a website. Um, Dress for Success Vancouver, and then Yes also has a website as well. Okay. So if you Google those, that should give you lots of information. And then we also have our social media pages on those websites as well. So we do encourage everyone to follow us. We're quite active on social media. We're at DFS Vancouver is our handle. So mm -hmm. cool. um, follow us for upcoming events. And also a lot of inspirational stories of our women are posted on our blogs, and, and we share them on social, and it's really wonderful to see. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, well, ladies, like I said, this has been very informative. I think you're both doing amazing work, important work. And I think any time that you can provide the tools for people to succeed, the depth and the range of positive effect that's created from that in the individual's life, in their family's life, and in the community becomes really impactful. It's, it's really incredible. And it's so cool to hear uh, that people like you and your organizations are doing such great work in this city. So all the best to you and your respective teams as you continue your amazing work. And thank you so much for sitting with me and educating <laughs> me on a lot of these issues and, and telling me about what you're doing. It's I, been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Jennifer Halinda and Marissa Letting representing Dress for Success Vancouver and Yes Vancouver. 
And I'm Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace.